that's a choice that I've made that I'm willing to embrace. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Whatever potential consequences there are from our studios in Malibu, California. From one glass of red wine versus not having any at all. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast with Mark Sisson. I'm your host, Brad Kearns, and we are back on the mainland United States after an amazing week. Last week at PrimalCon Vacation Tulum. Mark, how you feeling? You recovered from the trip? Oh, there was nothing to recover from. It was one of the most exhilarating weeks I've had in a long time. And the whole point to the uh, to Tulum vacation experience was for me to unwind after months of of working pretty hard here in Malibu and um, and to share that experience with 150 guests. And man, it was like one of the most awesome weeks I've ever had. Uh, I would have to agree with you, Mark, because as the PrimalCon coordinator for the last six PrimalCons, there was a ton of work to do day and night with the food preparation and all the logistics. And then we go down to Tulum, and this is an all-inclusive resort where we got to go choose from six different restaurants and room service all day long. And so there was really not a whole lot for the staff to do. So we had an amazing time, I have to say. Yeah, it was, uh, was, again, I just, I don't know what to... You know how to express my uh, pleasure and gratitude at what a what a fantastic week it was. I mean, we had some of the best presenters come down with us. Um, you know, Daryl Edwards, who's now the, the the master in the world when it comes to play. Uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan, John Durant, um, Alessandra Wall. I mean, the 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 list of speakers went on and on, and the and we had stuff going on all day. Matt and Karis, um, you know, leading leading the uh, workouts on the beach. And we thought, well, that'll be cute. They'll be you a know, nice, handsome couple, beautiful couple from, from the UK. We'll let them come, and they can lead some workouts. Everybody thought it was one of the best workouts they'd ever done. Uh, you know, Angelo De La Cruz leading his morning um, uh, Vita moves. I mean, the whole the whole week was just fantastic. Yeah, it was great. I'd like to talk about the format a little bit just so people know what's in store and hopefully can get excited about coming to the vacation next year. But Angelo, for the seventh year, the seventh time in a row, kicked off the Primal Con mornings with this really cool Vita Move workout that he does to start the day off. And it's a very gentle Tai Chi like session. And it's the first time I've actually been able to participate in the whole thing, and it was just wonderful. Uh, so that was the start. And then, like you said, we had Daryl uh, doing the play sessions, and then Matt Whitmore and Karis Marsden. Those are the authors of Paleo Primer out there doing some pretty intense fitness stuff. And then what we did was we transitioned into a poolside chat format uh, you know, in the middle of the day where the presenters were just there to engage with casually out in the uh, beautiful setting right on the beach and poolside at Dreams Tulum. And then every afternoon we went into the air-conditioned theater because it was about time to do that and had a succession of really great presentations that you mentioned. Um, And and one that was really special was uh, Luke Shanahan coming along with his wife, Dr. Kate. And we thought, hey, he's here. We might as well throw him in. And he happened to mention that he teaches writing and how to shape your dreams and, and put it into a story. And that one just was a was a huge surprise. Yeah, it, it, the week was full of surprises, and and all of them very pleasant, and uh, just made me um, think about how we can you know package more of these vacation experiences in the future. Um, and I think one of the one of the greatest testimonials we got was uh, basically when people were leaving, it's like, okay, when are we doing the next one? Because uh, we want to be in. So that's really. Uh, you know, it was it was just a phenomenal week, and and uh, I can't thank the participants enough and the presenters enough, and 
Um, I'm, I'm, you know, now I'm looking forward to the PrimalCon Mohonk coming up in June, and then um, of course Oxnard in the uh, later in the in the summer. Right. So the template's a little different at the traditional PrimalCon stateside, where we actually do some grouping of the guests and doing uh, competitive challenges like the Survivor Game or going through the fitness rotations. And in Tulum, it was a little more relaxed, but there was so much to do every day. Um, I think you mentioned uh, all the presentations. Ben Greenfield actually came down and did his superhuman uh, discussion of all the hacks and interesting things that he's into as an elite endurance athlete and how it can apply to uh, all all manner of fitness activities. And then also uh, the, the final presentation I thought was really special too, and that was your wife Carrie and her sidekick Karen Moore, and they're uh, hard at work with their Primal Woman book as well as their coaching. And we did some really cool interactive workshop type stuff with Carrie and Karen. And I think we're going to do more of that in the future. I, I, I got a sense from the participants that they liked being asked the difficult questions about where their life was headed or what would they do, you know, if uh, if they if they, you know, only had a, a year to live, for instance. And some of these really um, kind of uh, you got to drill down real deep and look into your soul and figure out what's important to you. And for the a lot of the attendants, uh, some of them had never really looked that deep. They, it was, we, they, you know, they got the diet dialed in. They had the exercise pretty much dialed in. They showed up to have a good time. You know, we did an excursion uh, one day, uh, which was a phenomenal uh, day of rappelling and zip lining and, and other great activities. Um, and we had all manner of people from uh, extremely fit, uh, you know, the national record holder in the 100-meter run from Switzerland down to people who were, um, you know, pretty unfit and looking for ways to fix that. Yes, one of the things that was so amazing to me, again, being able to spend much more time at this PrimalCon engaging with the guests and actually talking to people without having a box in my hand or a cell phone ringing, but the amazing stories and the talents that come out of this group. Um, you mentioned Dave Dolay, who's a, uh, a personal trainer in Zurich and obviously a pretty fit-looking guy, but little did we know that we were talking to a 10.1600-meter man, the national record holder, Olympic-level runner, and actually his wife, Romy, who wrote this amazing book called Pure Food, Pure Training that's in German and about to be translated into English. Um, another, another great one was seeing Megan Leonard of Wooden Hills, California, going to her fourth primal con in a row, and we were talking a little bit about how uh, there's, you know, there, there seems to be some. I'm going to ask this question too properly, but you know, when you have those wavering motivations and you're and you're on a roll and you're doing great, and then real life gets in the way, uh, Megan recommended to all listeners that if you just go to every single primal con, you're going to keep getting motivated and, and pumped up and getting back on track. There have been a number of people who've gone to a lot of the primal cons now, and I obviously they they come back for a reason. Um, it, it, again, it's just uh, it's crazy how. Um, how, how many talented people, and not just you know fit people, but talented in other arenas. Um, the uh, uh, we had I don't know, sixteen Aussies show up, and podcasters, and and restaurant owners, and you know paleo restaurant owners, and uh, it, it was all manner of people who really want to make a difference in the world using a paleo primal kind of template. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, the show of hands of people that were already 
into the scene, doing well with their diet, transform their health is high. However, you also saw a large amount of people that were just trying to take it to the next level and spread the word. And so that was, you know, amazing. Yeah, that the folks from、uh, Thrive was the name of their business down in Australia. And those guys came out in force and those 18 hour flights from Sydney to Dallas, I mean, setting records, they were just as chippy as can be, no sign of jet lag. And that was really awesome to see all the Aussies down there. We're going to have to put a primal con a little closer to them just to respect that. Yeah. And,、um, Uh, Derek and Barbara Wood coming down from Prince Albert for the third consecutive Primal Con and still holding the all time record of that 23 hour automobile drive from Prince Albert to Oxnard last year. So they got to do a, a plane flight this time. That's great. Yeah. So listen, I mean, let's,、uh, we should move on to some questions now, but just、uh, maybe leave the, the listeners with a,、um, you know, a recommendation that if you have a chance to attend a Primal Con, Um, you should give it a shot because it really is、uh, life transforming for a lot of people. Yeah, so like I said,、uh, one of the big ones that came up, so we'll start out with this question, was how to stay motivated and how to stay on track in the face of hectic modern life,、uh, career, work pressures, maybe setbacks such as、uh, family issues, tragedies,、uh, whatever it is, holidays. Many people、uh, related that. They know everything's going well when they're committed and staying on track,、uh, but then can sort of find themselves kicked to the side easily. Well, life happens, and there are some bad things that happen in people's lives, and they have to be dealt with. So, if you are a person who、um, you know, needs to deal with a, a tragedy in a family, Um, I'm not going to suggest that you don't grieve or that you somehow try to avoid that. I think、um, issues like that need to be dealt with, and, and you can always come back to your primal eating and exercise strategy.、Uh, so, that, that's kind of point number one is that, is that we, we do have issues that arise in life, and we shouldn't beat ourselves up because we get off track as a result of those.、Um, but beyond that, it is important, I think, to surround oneself. With people, with friends and family and co workers who are sort of like minded.、Uh, there are a lot of studies in the past、uh, decade that look at the influence that friends have on our health. And if you surround yourself with unhealthy friends, you tend to be less healthy than, than you'd probably like to be.、Uh, so surround yourself with healthy friends.、Uh, I like to surround myself with healthy snacks. So I don't set myself up for sabotage in my house. I Cleaned out my pantry of all of the negative, nasty stuff that was going to tempt me every time I walked by, and restocked my pantry with healthy snacks and healthy foods and the things that, even if I do find myself、um, you know, uh, getting up from the desk in the middle of the day and wandering into the kitchen, at least I know I'm going to be eating something that's, that's reasonably healthy. So there are a lot of little tricks and hacks that we can use to, to,、uh, to keep us on track. Um, I think Megan had a good, she, she really did raise a good point, which, which is,、um, you know, not everybody goes all in when they go primal the first time or the second time or the third time. And for a lot of people, it takes several different steps and, and it's a process. And it's one or two、uh, minor changes at a time that get incorporated into a, a life, a life way and a habit.、Uh, and So, her, one of her ways of addressing this is to say, Look, I'm going to surround myself with primal people. I'm going to go do a, a primal con、uh, whenever they come up. And,、um, and that, that works for her.、Um, but it's a, you know, staying on track is a, is a process. For me, 
Um, the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I do a little gratitude process. I wake up, uh, go out in my backyard, um, typically watch the sunrise, um, take a moment to uh, thank myself for all that I've done for myself and all of the accomplishments that I've, uh, accomplishments that I've had, all of the setbacks I've endured, and then to ask myself, um, and, am I ready? Am I prepared to do this again today? Am I, am I ready to meet the challenge? And almost every day, the answer is, yeah, sure, I'm ready to do that today. But it's a conscious decision that I make rather than just assuming that it's going to happen. Yeah, another thing I'll mention is uh, some of the feedback that I received from people who had never heard you speak before. And they, they, they related that um, it, was, it was refreshing how, how chill you were, quote unquote. And I think what, what they're getting at is like, we, we go to a lecture or, or, or you know, listen to a, a leader of a movement, and we're so accustomed to getting that dogmatic approach where they're telling you this is the right way to do it and you can't mess up and you, you have to be strict and disciplined. And your message when you do your talks is something that's quite different from that. And you keep hitting on this theme of choices. And I think that makes it a more uh, relaxing and accessible process where you don't have to feel the pressure of failing or adhering to this high standard every single second of your life. Well, yeah, and it's just it makes it sustainable. Um, if if we say that, uh, not you know, we have an eighty twenty rule in in the Primal Blueprint, and it's you know it's been kind of tossed around, bandied about. Um, people have criticized it for being too lax. Uh, but my point about the eighty twenty rule, as it applies to any part of your life, not just diet, but it applies to how you sleep and uh, how how much time you spend playing and all the other. Um, the rules, the 10 laws, the primal blueprint laws, the 80-20 rule basically says strive to do well, try to do well. But if every once in a while you make a choice that isn't in your best interest, don't beat yourself up. Just re-choose. Start over again. Start the next day or the next opportunity that you have to make a new choice and don't get caught up in the guilt. Don't feel like you've let yourself down or your family down or whoever else it's, uh, knows what, what you're up to. Um you know, just be very conscious that everything that you do in life is a choice. And my goal as an educator is to simply make you aware of the ramifications of your choices. So if you say, well, there's a really awesome party going on and I'm going to stay up till one thirty or 2 o'clock in the morning, um, you know, I'm okay with that. If you're okay with that, as long as you know that it's going to take you a day or two to catch up. And, and as long as you catch up on your sleep, the fact that you've made that choice knowing the potential downfalls of making that choice and still being okay with it and still having a plan of action to recover from it, then why shouldn't you have that kind of opportunity and fun every once in a while in your life? And and if you apply that to, to workouts, I mean, the, the t number of times I go to the gym thinking I'm going to do a really hard workout and I get to the gym and I get through the first set and I go, you know what? I don't have it today. And rather than slog my way through a hard workout and maybe set myself back, I'm just going to turn around and go home. That's a choice I make on the spot, and it's a choice I make with the knowledge that I'm not losing my primal card because I missed a workout today. You know, I'm not I'm not sacrificing anything. If 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 anything, I'm making the kind of choice that's a wise choice made on the moment, in the spur of the moment, on the spot, using the information that I have at my disposal at that point in time, uh, with the knowledge that I can always rechoose. At a, uh, from a different point of view, the next day or, or the next week. Right, and I think that goes back to some of the themes you hit on the Chronic Cardio podcast, where 
the main driving force to motivate you to pursue fitness goals should be that it makes you feel good. So when you turn around and go home because you're too tired, you're making a choice that, you know, today exercise is not going to make you feel good. It's going to get you more tired. And if people can uh, stick to that kind of mindset rather than the compulsive, uh, consistency-obsessed mindset that most exercisers take, it might be easier to uh, to adhere to a, a sensible fitness program without getting discouraged. I, I think it takes more discipline sometimes to cut a workout short than to force yourself to get through a workout. I remember back in the old days of training, there were a couple of workouts that I can pinpoint as days that I got to the track and uh, one in particular, I did 16 halves in 224 to 228. Uh, (laughs) For those of you listeners unfamiliar with that workout, um, don't try it at home. (laughs) So it was like a breakthrough workout for me. It was crazy. I I, I was fit enough to do that. Um, I did it alone, which is sometimes even more difficult. I pushed myself through it. Uh, As I got closer to the 16th one, I started feeling like, wow, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to make this. This is going to be unbelievable. Well, around the 15th one, I felt a chill go up my spine. And in my past experience, that meant I had gone to the well too deep and I had, I had basically squeezed my adrenals dry. And sure enough, I got sick the next two days, during the next two days, and it took me about five weeks to recover. So, you know, my discipline, as it were, to get me through that workout did not serve me well. And the discipline would have been maybe to go, okay, I got to, let me just see how I'm doing. Let me go through a quick um, full body check and intuitively make a decision to maybe pull a plug at, at 13 or 14 of those and not get through 16 because that's what I had written on my, uh, on my training chart that I wanted to do today. Good stuff. How about if we try for the first time to play a question off our speak pipe. We got a ton of submissions over the past couple of weeks from our last announcement. So these are the questions that you can record on the podcast website and they'll be stored in our database and we can play them and Mark will answer them for you. So like I said, we got a ton of submissions. Some of them were quite lengthy, so they're not appropriate to play. So if you're going to uh, make a question, try to formulate a nice, concise question that might be applicable to the broad audience, and we'd love to hear from you. And here's our first one from Johnny. Hey, Mark. If sitting is bad for you because, um, or one of the reasons it's bad for you is because it um, is bad for the hip flexors, wouldn't Grok, who squatted, a lot and much deeper than a sitting position have therefore had much the same issue with his hip flexors, um, his femur being very much uh, closer to the vertical than sitting. Thank you. Yeah, that's a very interesting um, observation. You know, there, there are a number of um, considerations here. First of all, we tend to sit not in a full squat, but in a uh, in a position that is somewhat um, unnatural for long periods of time um, with our hip flexors at pretty much of a, a 90 degree angle. Uh, so we're not really stretching them and we're not really compressing them uh, to the extent that we would. We're, we're, they're basically just atrophying. Uh, and we do that for hours and hours at a time without moving. The notion that Grok squatted a lot uh, was, you know, that was a rest position. So he did squat a lot. Um, but I, I, I don't imagine that he would have squatted for the length of time, the hours on end, without getting up and walking around uh, that would sort of, kind of uh, 
um, contrast with our sitting in, in chairs all day. Um, I think when you, if you look at some of the third world countries now where people – I've watched – uh, videos of, of kids in India who are brick makers and they, they'll squat uh, for long periods of time in a full squat uh, as they uh, make bricks out of clay and, and spend inordinate amounts of time in that squatting position. I don't know what the effect is uh, of that, but I can't imagine that it's, that it's great. I think that any person engaged in a toiling for eight or ten hours a day needs to find a way – to move around and to um, to stretch and get a little bit of a release and relief from a static position, particularly one that's compressed, uh, as we would see in a chair. So if there's a take-home message from from that question, it would be, you know, find a way, if you can, to do to have a stand-up desk. I'm, you know, we started talking about this five years ago, these stand-up desks, maybe longer. And uh, I've had a stand-up desk for that long, and everybody in my office has a stand-up desk. And some of the people in my office have treadmills under their desks. We call them tread desks so that they can actually move during the day. I take frequent breaks from my desk. So I have – and I've noticed tremendous benefits in my hip flexors. My hip flexors used to be probably the weakest part of my body. Uh, and for years and years, particularly after I'd, I'd been running so many miles and then stopped running, I would have the kind of um, pain in my hip joints that I thought was – well, I guess I thought it was just a result of, of getting old and I assumed it was probably natural and normal. And that pain has gone away now that I've been using a stand-up desk. And I have a, a special version, a focal stand-up desk, which has a tilting kind of a tractor seat so I can actually lean. So I don't, I don't, I don't stand in an upright standing position all day. Um, I do about half the time and then half the time when I'm at my desk, I'm leaning back. But when I'm leaning back – uh, and I did a post on this on the site, but when I'm leaning back, I'm still my hip flexors are almost fully open, and the effect of that is is pretty dramatic over a period of months and years, uh, in in fixing kind of those uh, um, hip flexor issues that ail most people. Yeah, I think the key is variety and moving around and shifting. And uh, some people have given me pushback on, uh, well, I can't have a stand-up desk at my workplace. They'd never allow it. But you can always find ways to mix in some different positions, such as if you get a phone call, all of a sudden you can stand up and shake out your legs or do hamstring stretches. And then if you're back in your seat, uh, such as an air traffic controller or someone who, who really can't have that flexibility, everyone can have some kind of flexibility with how they put their body all day long you know if you're in a in a work environment a cubicle environment or something and you're sitting at a desk and telling me that they would never allow you to have a stand-up desk i'm almost like willing to bet that if you <laughs> contact me and say i have a real problem I, i'd love to have a stand-up desk but i'm in this work I, I bet i could convince your boss to let you try a stand-up desk i really do i think that Many of the workplaces now are much more amenable to the ergonomic – sort of ergonomic configurations that are being investigated in the research. And, and one of those major areas of research is uh, how devastating it is to sit for long periods of time at a desk. So I, I would suspect that um, here's an opportunity to work on your, on your negotiating skills to uh, negotiate with your boss or your supervisor to see if you could create a stand-up desk. And, and you know, down at – uh, primal nutrition. Half the stand-up desks are these uh, number four boxes that we get from the U.S. Postal Service stacked and configured in a way that the employees 
are able to uh, create the most ergonomically efficient um, positioning for themselves. Heck, we can get you a doctor's note from Dr. Kate Shanahan or several of the other doctors that attended PrimalCon, Dr. Jick, Dr. Peters, Dr. Jefferis. I mean, easy stuff. Just bring in the doctor's note. They'll, they'll uh, insist that you have a stand-up desk. Yeah, I'm, I'm such a fan of stand-up desks now. I, I really, unless you have a, you know, a serious uh, back disorder or some, something that forces you to be, to be sitting, I, I think that virtually everyone should be working at a stand-up desk who is in, a, in an office environment that would uh, otherwise require sitting. Hey, let's take a quick question from Hashim. Hello, Mark. My question is, when is the best time to eat your carbs? Um, never. No, I'm just kidding. Um, everybody thinks I've, I've uh, vilified carbs to the extent that I'm a complete anti-carb guy. Um, you know, that's a, I guess that's a question that a lot of people have. When's the best time to eat your carbs? And a lot of it depends on the context. I would say that a, that a, a handful of carbs at every meal is certainly appropriate if that's what you want to do. Uh, some people like to uh, complement their breakfast omelet with a bowl of blueberries. I'm all for that, and that's you know that's an example, or maybe a side of potatoes, um, not a large side, but some potatoes. To the extent that you're going to be consuming carbs throughout the day, you know, just I, I would suggest it's it's about not overdoing the carbs, uh, rather than some most appropriate time to eat your carbs. Now, if you're an athlete who wants to uh, take advantage of uh, the the training that you've been doing, and you're contemplating, for instance, a hard workout tomorrow, then it might be appropriate to eat some carbs in the evening. Uh, it, it has been, I think, suggested and perhaps demonstrated that there's less of a, a conversion factor to fats if you eat your carbs uh, sort of late in the day and that goes to re- replenishing primarily the glycogen stores that you're hoping to build up for your event or your training or whatever it is you're doing the next day. So some people would suggest that if you're going to eat 100 grams of carbs at one time, uh, maybe the best time is is during an evening meal, still a few hours before you go to bed, but during an evening meal, uh, and it might take this the form of what we would call safe starches, you know, some uh, sweet potato or even some white potato with some uh, butter on it, if uh, if that's something that you can you can handle. Um, or fruit, for that matter, because uh, again, fruit is sort of an interesting character in that if you're looking to replenish glycogen, fruit is a great way to do that. Fruit and the fructose, the, the sugar in fruit, uh, tends to want to go directly to glycogen stores uh, via the liver and doesn't really get converted into glucose. Uh, other forms of carbohydrate tend to get converted into, into glucose first. So fruit is efficient in that regard. Um, the sort of Opposite side of that coin is if your if your glycogen stores are full, then the fructose gets converted into triglycerides pretty readily. So it's a you just sort of again you have to develop this kind of intuitive knowledge about where you stand with your uh, with your with your glycogen stores based on workouts that you've done that day or what you have planned for the next day, um, and and kind of knowing, for instance, where you stand on the carbohydrate curve. Are you a person who can handle? 200 or 250 grams of carbs in a day, or you're someone who really suffers if you start to take in more than, say, 50. Um, and if that's the case, then um, you're probably not going to replenish your glycogen stores at night. And if that is the case, then then you might want to have your carbs maybe earlier in the day and not at night. Uh, and these are really very nuanced and very contextual situations. 
which I try to describe or try to to impart the kind of wisdom in people to kind of get an, an, an intuitive sense of where they are and what works best for them. That's this experiment of one. Uh, so in the 21-day total body transformation, you said that the decision-making process here starts with, are you happy with your current level of body composition? Okay. Um, that would be certainly a first question to ask. And if you are happy with your current level of body comp and you're a person who's been taking in, say, higher than normal amounts of carbs, uh, it might be because you are a uh, an athlete who's burning – uh, and not even necessarily a, an elite athlete. You could just be a person who trains a lot, uh, who's burning 250, 300, 350 grams of carbs a day. I would suspect that not many people outside the range of elite athletes would burn more than that. But if you're that person and you uh, and you're fine with your body composition, and you say, "Well, I'm and I'm also fine eating carbs, and I want to c- sort of stay um, a carb burner, a sugar burner," uh, then I'm fine with that. Some people can. There are a handful of people who can get away with consuming more carbs and not have it um, negatively impact them in the way that it does other people. How do you feel about Chris Kresser's comment that people with adrenal fatigue shouldn't be on low-carb diets? I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. I think that that's another question you might ask yourself after you've asked yourself, am I happy with my, with my um, body composition? Um, this becomes – Look, the the Primal Blueprint is a template and it's a starting point and I would recommend people try it for 30 days. And after 30 days and keeping good records of how you feel and how you look and your energy levels and all these other parameters that we like to have people track, then it might behoove one to say, okay, um, maybe I'll try taking in fewer carbs and experiment that for with that for a while. Um, somebody might say, well, I'm going to add 50 grams of carbs and a day and, and see if, um, if I notice any difference. Uh, everybody, clearly everyone is different in terms of their um, genetic familial genes. Uh, their human genes have them processing all of these things the same way. Everybody basically has the same biochemical processes going on in their bodies. It's just the degree to which these are happening that's determined – um, partly by genetics and partly by epigenetics or the or the the lifestyle behaviors. Um, so you kind of have to determine for yourself where do I fall on that spectrum? Am I someone who can get away with eating a lot of uh, carbs? And by the way, if you can get away with eating a lot of carbs, it doesn't mean that it's not you know having an effect on you. If you're somebody who who's taking in four or five hundred grams of carbs a day and you're not gaining weight, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily at the optimum level of health that you could be. Because I would suspect that. There's some amount of, um, of issue with that amount of, of glucose circulating through your body all the time. But, you know, th- some people can get away with more than others. Uh, and then Kresser's observation that if you have adrenal issues or if you have thyroid issues, uh, you may in fact want to increase your carbs to a point. But that, I don't think that means up to four or 500 grams. I think it means, you know, 200, 250 maybe. Um, as the Jaminés have said, uh, you know, probably up to th- 300, but not much more than that. And um, I've said that, for the most part, people who are in, in fairly decent metabolic shape and haven't done so much metabolic damage, probably very few people actually really need more than 150 grams of carbs a day if they've become good at burning fat. Great. How about if we knock out a couple few more and then we'll do another show next week because of all the questions that are excellent. Sounds great. 
Uh, here's Yvette from Long Island with a question. Hi, my name is Yvette from Long Island, and I've heard conflicting reports on potatoes. I'd like to know how you feel about them. Are they paleo or aren't they? <laughs> well, first of all, um, I'm the guy who says they're primal or not. So the paleo, the keepers of the paleo world might uh, argue over the context of the potatoes and whether the yams and the sweet potatoes were in the same family as the white potatoes or the Andean potatoes or the Japanese potatoes or the Okinawan potatoes. So in general, potatoes are um, starchy carbohydrates. Uh, the, you know, the sweet potato family, the yam family might be arguably a little bit more primal or paleo in some regards because it's a slower burning complex form uh, locked in a, in, a, in, in a bit more of a fibrous matrix. Um, the white potato by itself, um, sort of ironically, you know, in the days before Exceed and Gatorade and, and um, the glucose drinks that the cyclists use now regularly on the Tour de France to, to top off their, their glucose while they're riding, in the old days they used to carry baked potatoes. And the reason was that potatoes convert to glucose very readily. In fact, potatoes um, are known to be a, a, a hundred on the glycemic index scale, which means that they're they're bas they basically convert to glucose instantly, um, better than table sugar. So if you're looking for a quick supply of of uh, calories that converts to glucose really really quickly, the white potato is a pretty good choice. On the other hand, if you put some Kerrygold butter or some sour cream on that white potato, you can slow down. The, um, the glycemic index, you can drop the glycemic index and slow the release of that into the bloodstream and, and use that as a means of tempering at that. But in my, in my reasoning, uh, and I've come around quite a bit on this, um, I think that some amount of potatoes in the diet is perfectly primal. And, and really, it gets to – the question becomes how much is appropriate? And if you're having a giant – two-pound Idaho baked potato with all the fixings, that's probably inappropriate. But if you're uh, going to have a half of a baked potato or uh, some uh, whipped uh, yams with some cream, which is one of my actually favorite dishes at Thanksgiving, uh, you know, those fit perfectly into a uh, otherwise well-orchestrated primal blueprint eating strategy. Thanks, Mark. How about this interesting one from Abby in Barview, Oregon? She writes in and says, Mark, you often promote the antioxidant benefits of drinking red wine. However, I have directly associated drinking red wine with getting migraine headaches, and this has been for several decades. Hence, I prefer white wine and completely avoid red. Do you have any guess why red doesn't agree with me? And can you also discuss where white wine, beer, mixed drinks, and so forth stand in the Primal Blueprint? Sure. Well, I think a, a number of people have issues with red wine. The histamines and sulfites tend to really affect some people dramatically. Uh, I've got a good friend at the gym who drank red wine for years and years and years and then wondered why he had headaches and, and, and even some arthritic issues. And when he gave up the red wine, uh, much to his chagrin because he's basically a, a wine connoisseur, uh, all that stuff went away. So there's – there is good evidence that some people cannot uh, handle red wine and, and probably it might be that the, the sources of the wine. It might be uh, the, the, the mixture coming from the vintner that's, that's, that's the issue. But um, I think giving up red wine and if, if, this is a, if the, the writer is someone who can handle a little bit of white wine, that's fine. Um, on the scale of uh, 
you know, best to worst, red wine typically shows up as best because of the resveratrol and the other antioxidants in it. Uh, white wine is further on down the down the scale. But we've had discussions recently about, um, for instance, beer. And uh, I've I used to drink a lot of beer, but beer does not does not suit me in terms of my GI tract or or uh, the day after. I, I literally I can feel my joints swelling a little bit. I can feel uh, some bloating. So I found a couple of sorghum beers that I can have once in a while, you know, St. Peter's Sorghum Ale. Uh, I've developed a taste for it. And, uh, you know, that's something I'll have on occasion if I feel like a beer. But I, I cannot go for multiple bottles of beer because it, it just, you know, it, it doesn't sit well with me. The Whether it's the barley or the hops or the wheat that it was made from or whatever the grain that was involved, um, a lot, beer has a lot of gluten in it for the most part. So I would – I would say stay away from beer. Mixed drinks, eh, not so much just because of the sugar in most typical mixed drinks. But um, tequila. Tequila is an interesting spirit because it has virtually no sugar, no no carbohydrates. It has alcohol, of course. But it's about as pure uh, a drink as you can get if you get the right kind. What's your, favorite, uh, what's your favorite brand? Well, De Leon is my favorite <laughs> brand. Um, I actually – was an investor in that company for a while. Just it just uh, got purchased, but um, so there are. And this is this was the opening discussion we had at the Tulum vacation, which was the Primal Blueprint is about enjoying your life and and hopefully living the longest possible, functioning, happy, vibrant, fun, loving life you you can, and to the extent that you can include the occasional dalliance into some alcohol once in a while, not as a lifestyle, or some chocolate or some some other uh, otherwise seemingly forbidden food. It's really not about whether or not you consume it. It's really about how much and how often and 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 knowing once again, knowing the information behind it so that you can make the kinds of decisions, the kinds of choices that um, allow you to to do so. Uh, knowingly and willingly and and with a full responsibility of whatever outcome happens as a result of those choices. So when it comes to alcohol, I will tell you that everybody is better off not consuming alcohol. That's that's a known fact. And even the studies that show that teetotalers don't live as long as people who consume two glasses of wine a night, I think those studies are suspect because those studies look at an otherwise unhealthy population and then are parsing it into those who drank and those who didn't drink. I think the healthier you become and the more you clean up your diet, probably the more appropriate it would be um, in the best of all possible worlds not to consume alcohol. But, you know, I drink wine because I have a tough time with stress and stress is my my nemesis. Uh, and so at the end of the day, a glass of red wine uh, on balance, if it, if it kind of takes the edge off a little bit and allows me to get into a – uh, a very relaxed mood and to be ready to kind of wind down for the next few hours before I go to sleep. Uh, I would argue that that's, you know, that, so that's a choice that I've made that, that I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to, to embrace whatever potential consequences there are from one glass of red wine or maybe two versus not having any at all. Mark, thanks for hitting those questions so hard. We'll get more next week and also, giving that whole rundown on Primal Con Vacation Tulum. 
We really hope to see you at a future one. And the next one that we're really excited about is June 5th through 8th. Finally, for the first time, we're going to the East Coast for PrimalCon New York. There's all kinds of details at primalblueprint.com. And one thing I noticed in Tulum is there's always uh, some spouse pairs coming along where one of them's all into the primal thing and they drag their spouse along and uh, the spouse enjoys a vacation or picks and chooses things on the agenda. And in New York, interestingly, Mike DeLandro, our Primal Transformation Seminar superstar presenter on the East Coast, he's going to deliver the seminar at PrimalCon. So if you have a newbie that you might want to acquaint with the Primal Blueprint movement, uh, consider coming up to PrimalCon New York to get that nice integration for the very beginner level as well as all the other uh, advanced opportunities we have with our awesome presenter staff. So this is host Brad Kearns signing off. Thank you so much for listening to the Primal Blueprint podcast with Mark Sisson.